Good morning. My name is Ryan Litchfield. I'm one of the pastors here at Ridgecrest. We're so thankful that you have joined us here this morning. Uh, if, if you haven't figured this out already, this morning is actually Family Sunday, so there might be some little extra kids in here uh, sitting next to you. Maybe they're your kids. Uh, maybe they're not your kids, and you're wondering, who's this kid sitting next to me? Um, I don't know. But we have some, uh, some kids in here, so just be gracious to them. Uh, I, can, I can imagine as a kid, it's probably a little bit hard to sit still because I struggle as an adult to sit still. So, um, so just imagine you're sitting next to me and I'm moving. Um, and so we're going to get started this morning. And I, I'm thankful for Caleb, and I feel like maybe this morning Caleb tricked us a little bit. Um, this morning we sang about the goodness of God and how great He is and how He is faithful for all the things. And so, so and because of Him, He has been faithful through it all. I look back over my life and I think, this was a hard time, the Lord was faithful. This was a, a great time, the Lord was faithful. And then we jump into this song, uh, and, and it's, I surrender all, I'm giving my all, I'm giving it up to you, I'm surrendering all control and then we jump into this passage today, and maybe it's a little bit of a trick, but maybe it's more of a reality check for us. And so in a minute, as we read our passage, maybe you would look and say, man, am I really surrendering all? Do I really want this to happen to me, what we see happening in this passage? So, so we're taking a journey through John 15. We're taking a slow journey through John 15. And this morning, we're in a series that we've called Abide In. This morning, we're going to be in verses 18 through 25. So you can go ahead and turn there. So, so this morning, we're turning it up from a, from a slow walk to maybe a little bit of a trot because we have um, more than two to three verses to, to, to cover this morning. So we've we got to make some, cover some ground pretty quickly this morning. And so as we've looked at all the things that we have, I begin as we've looked at what it means to bear fruit, as we've looked at what, is it, what does it mean for us to remain in Christ's love, what does it mean for us to have that joy from the Lord. And as we've covered those things, I begin to, I think as we look at our passage today, there's a reason why we have these things and what may come our way when we do have these attributes. And so maybe the overflow of us abiding in Christ, of us spending time in Him, of Him producing those fruit in us. Other people, maybe from our words, maybe from our actions, begin to see the conduct, maybe see our conduct change the way we act, the things that we say change, and they may say, oh, there's something different about them. Maybe they've changed, and now these things start happening to us. So as followers of Christ, at times in our life, there's things that we have to stand up for. And oftentimes, maybe there's things that we have to stand up for that people may get mad at us for standing up for. Maybe we have to stand for something that goes against a cultural norm because of what the Bible says, or what the Bible says. And so what we see is nowhere in the Bible does it say the Christian walk, the Christian life is actually going to be easy. I'm still looking for it. I can't find it. And so we're going to go with it's not in the Bible, and therefore life is going to be challenging. Life is going to be difficult sometimes. And we get a warning of that today. And so if we're honest, maybe it would be easier uh, for us to not follow after Christ because then we would get to follow our selfish desires. Life would get to be all about us. But as followers of Christ, we have to give up our selfish desires. We have to turn over to him. 
And so this morning, as we read our passage, after we sing these songs, let us not be discouraged about what we're about to be, or what we're about to look at, but let us be encouraged because Jesus warns us that maybe difficulty, that persecution is going to happen. And so we should expect this. And so let's go ahead and jump into our passage. John 15, 18 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew back uh, in, in front of you. You can open that up. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that home, and that can be a copy of God's Word um, for you to have. Um, and so John chapter 15 in the New Testament will be verses 18 through 25, and it says this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for this sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful to be here to worship you to sing songs, uh, maybe surrender, and how faithful you are to us. Father, as we jump into this passage this morning, maybe would you speak to us about some of the situations that maybe we face in our own life, of, of things that we're standing for in the world, and, and how we may be facing persecution for that from friends, from family. Uh, Father, as we look at this text this morning, Father, we ask that you would speak clearly to us, that maybe in a way, in a, a passage that would seem pretty discouraging to us as we would read it in a way that you would encourage us and of how maybe we're living our, our walk with you and because of the persecution that we see that is coming towards us, maybe from friends, maybe from co-workers, uh, maybe from family members or, or whatever else that may be. Father, would you speak to us clearly this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the, so the text that we begin to see in, in verses 18 through 20, they begin to have this whole idea of one theme. And so what we see is Jesus' words quickly jump to the idea that the world does not like people who follow after Christ. So I'm glad, I'm thankful that he jumps to that conclusion pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Essentially what Jesus is saying is that discipleship will be a costly choice and whoever chooses to follow after Jesus must be ready to experience maybe the conflict that Jesus has uh, experienced in the past. So in a way, he gives us a heads up. He gives us a warning that as believers, we may be persecuted, that, that people may not like us, that people may mock us, that people may laugh, and, and, and we may be hated by the world. It, it may not shock you, but I did not play basketball in high school like I'm not that tall, I'm not that athletic. All you have to do to, to play the sport I like is swing a golf club. It's probably, it's not that simple, but it's pretty simple compared to basketball because you don't have to run, you don't have to shoot, you don't have to play defense. Yeah, you don't under, have to understand all these terms of, of stuff. So after Alicia and I started dating, one day we were at a basketball game 
and we're sitting there and she starts yelling wolf. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Why are you yelling wolf? Like, what does this mean? And she said, someone's coming from behind them and is about to try to get the ball from them. So, so she was giving this warning, this heads up of like, hey, you better watch out. Somebody's coming behind you. In a way, this is that passage. So maybe wolf, something's about to happen. Maybe persecution is about to come our way. We need to be alert. We need to have a heads up mentality looking for the things that are around us. So this morning, maybe you can just yell wolf real loudly and you understand what we're talking about. So Jesus explains the hatred that the world has for him. And as he continues through this hatred, uh, he begins to say, hey, you can expect these same things. And so if we would read through the New Testament, I think it would be pretty clearly, or especially the Gospels, that the, the people did not necessarily like Jesus. Jesus be, was hated because he brought lightness to a world, a world full of darkness, and so he exposed the darkness of the world. He exposed sins. He exposed, exposed wrongdoings. And then what we see is Jesus ex- modeled, exampled the, the standard of God, the standard that we should follow. And, and that means in his very presence, the world was a reminder of, of the evil works that was happening in the world. He could see these things. He was warned of these things and he was giving us this same warning. At this point, what we would see is, is that the Christian community, maybe the Jews, had already not liked him. They had already been excluded from synagogues. He had suffered uh, many different things through the Roman Empire. And so for them to read these words, for the disciples to read these words, maybe struck a painful chord in their life. Because these things were already happening to them. They were already in the midst of this suffering. So maybe for you this morning... You say, hey, I've been persecuted by a friend at work because I have stood up for what's right or I've stood up for Jesus. Maybe it's been with a family member. Maybe it's been uh, with a friend that you've stood up for something the Bible speaks on and you say, I'm already experiencing this. So what we see this morning is it's going to happen to us if we stand up for Jesus. What we'd see is the disciples were also reminded that the resurrected Lord had already walked in the way of being hated. And so we, what we could see from the example in the Bible, Jesus walked in the way of being hated. The disciples walked in the way of being hated. The apostles walked in the way of being hated. So why would we expect anything differently when we stand up for the Bible, when we stand up for God's word? Why would we expect anything different to happen to us? We're not any better than them. We don't have things figured out. We should expect the same thing to happen to us. So maybe we feel like we are in a similar place. Maybe we say, hey, we're beginning to be hated for the things that we stand up for. But we we would read God's word and say, no, these things are clear in God's word. And we're not going to negotiate on what God's word says. And so we're going to stand firm in those areas. When we stand up for the Bible, when we stand up for the truth of scripture, when we stand for holiness, when we stand for righteousness, What we would see from this example is be prepared. The world is not going to like us. And what the text actually says is the world's probably going to hate us for these things that we're standing up for. Jesus knew that the hatred of the world was the mark of the world, just as love should be the mark of believers. When reading these verses, maybe the idea that we should get 
is, is Jesus is warning us to take away that shock factor, to take away that surprise factor so that we are prepared for what may come our way. He's letting us know that these things are going to happen and we shouldn't be surprised. The world will stand with evil because the world is evil. He says, let us not be surprised. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Another warning that the world isn't going to like when we stand up for God's word. The followers of Christ, we may be hated by the same hate that Jesus was hated with because we are associated with him. So as we bear fruit, as we would remain in Christ, as we would see his, his joy and as we would see that love that is being produced in us through the Spirit, as we become more like Christ, or, or maybe as what we would see it through the process of sanctification in, in Romans 8 of us being conformed to the image of Jesus, we will begin to have that same effect on the world, hopefully, that we, people will begin to see a light shining from us, maybe from our actions, but hopefully not only from our actions, but also our words. The, the, word, the gospel has to be shared through words. It's not only just through our good deeds. And so, therefore, when we're shining this light, when we're spreading the message of the gospel, therefore, the world's not going to like us. The world loves its own. They love their own ideas. The world loves the people that do as the world says. So if we're going to go against the grain, if we are going to go against the world, the world's not going to like us. They're not going to like us. They're not going to tolerate us. When we've put our allegiance to King Jesus and said, this is who I will follow. I'm not going to follow what the news is saying. I'm not going to follow necessarily a political party, but I'm going to follow King Jesus and that is it. When we put our standards to that, the world is going to hate us. When we begin to stand for what King Jesus and what the Bible teaches us, the world is going to say, I'm not liking that person because they're going against the grain. They're going against what we want. So King Jesus is to who all our loyalty is due. So the disciples did not belong to the world. Because what we see last week in the text in verses 16 and 17 is that Jesus chose them out of the world. So Jesus was then warning them because you are not of the world, you've been chosen out of the world. Therefore, the world is going to hate you. He's giving the, this warning. So just as these disciples did not belong to the world, we don't belong to the world either as followers of Christ. Not because we've never belonged to the world, but because we are chosen out of the world. We belong to Jesus. Therefore, we should look different. We should act different. The things that come out of our mouth should be different. There should be a change in our life when we follow after Jesus. We should look different. We should act different. And you say, look different. Do I have to change the way I dress? I don't think that's what it's talking about. But maybe the, the way we talk to people, the way we treat people, and, and the way that we use words and the way that we love one another would be different. So the idea that we see from the passage last week that God chose us out of the world, being, being chose out of the world, being drawn into the love of Christ, into the body of Christ, we're still here in this world. 
So as followers of Christ who, who, who have been called out of the world, but in a way we're still living here in our flesh, not our fleshly desires, but in our flesh, in a way we could think of it this way. We are aliens to this world. And so maybe that's a good thing with Halloween coming up or whatever. Um, some, some people have cool blow-up costumes that are, are aliens or, or whatever. Uh, but what we would see is we should look different. We wouldn't be conformed to the world. We should be maybe look different and, and in a way people could say that may be a follower of Christ because of the actions that they're doing. Because of the words that are coming out of their mouth. Because they're always talking about the gospel. So, can pe- do people know that you are a follower of Christ? I think that's a simple question to ask and maybe for you to reflect on. Can, people tell, can the people around you tell that he has changed your life? Many, maybe for many of us, what do people might know about us? What do we talk about often? Are we talking about the cowboys that play at noon today? Is that what we've talked about all week to our coworkers? Have we talked about maybe our fantasy football team all week to, to our friends in, the, in, in a group chat of, of who we're going to beat and who's going to get beat this week? Maybe it's our hobbies. Maybe it's, hey, they're all about this. Maybe it's all about that. Maybe it's all about your work or whatever it may be for you. Maybe it's all about, like they would say, I, maybe they're a follower of Christ or, or whatever, but is it maybe all about do we only share our political opinions or, or whatever it may be? Or do they know that we are, have we pledged our allegiance and have we given our life to Jesus? Have we talked about that at all this week to our friends? Have we talked about that at all this week to our family members? And say, King Jesus, the one who our loyalty is due, should be at the forefront of all that we do. Whether it's a hobby, whether it's a team, whether it's our political opinions, King Jesus and the gospel should be at the front of that. What do we see in 1 Peter 14 through 15? One of my favorite passages to read. Says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Man, as followers of Christ, let us not continue in our former ignorance. I love, like last time I preached, I told you I like things pretty black and white. And I feel like this is pretty black and white. Tells us to not be conformed to our former ignorance, that we would be transformed by the Spirit through the Word, and that we would not continue in our former ways. May we be different, may we be the light of the world. And verse 15 gives us another call to, to, to be holy in all of our conduct. And so, what we would see as we continue on through this passage this morning. John, in a way, clarifies this. Jesus, his intention was not to remove the disciples from the world, but yet it was to protect them from the evil or the evil that was to come. This was a warning of what was, a, what was to happen, not a call for us as followers to retreat into our homes, to retreat and, and just go into the church and say, Okay, we're not going to go anywhere else but for our homes into the church. This was not a a retreat. It's not in a way for us calling that we would seclude ourselves. We shouldn't retreat in our homes and we shouldn't stay away from the world. 
but in a way we should show them Jesus. How are they going to hear if we don't talk about Jesus to them? The verse illustrates what the disciples should expect in their relationship with the world. We should expect persecution when we stand for his word. Because that, is, that was the way that it was with Jesus. The text makes it clear that the world is not waiting to follow after God. The world isn't just going to wake up tomorrow morning and say, Hey, it's Monday, Halloween. Let's you know, forget everything we've been teaching in, in whatever, whatever ways we've been trying to influence people. And all of a sudden, let's just follow after the Lord. That's not what's happening. What we'd see is they don't want to follow after the Lord. So why would we think they would? So the text makes it clear that the world is not waiting just to simply wake up one day and follow after God's will. I've never seen the world just simply wanting to follow after God. So here's the same principle if that's applied. Jesus saying, if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. So those who preach Jesus' gospel, those who live in conformity to Jesus' life and teach and teaching will attract the same antagonism of the world. The world isn't going to like us. So here's what we see in the argument in the passage. If they persecuted me, this is what Jesus is saying. If they persecuted me, and they did persecute him, they will persecute you also. And so they will. If they obeyed my teaching, which we would see they didn't, they will obey ours also. So in a way, this is, maybe it's a little confusing, but they're not just going to wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to follow after the Lord. I've never known about the Lord. And so the world isn't just going to wake up one day and everybody's in allegiance to King Jesus. It takes us going to share the gospel. So the response to Jesus' disciple, whether for good or bad, was not a response to who they were, but a response to their allegiance to Jesus. We're not persecuted for who we are, but we're, we're persecuted or maybe came after or whatever because of a response of that we've entrusted our life to Jesus and we're following after him. This isn't about us. This isn't about what we're doing. It's about the gospel of Jesus and the world not wanting it to, to move forward. It's about the advancement of the gospel. And what we'd see, verse 21 begins with the word but, which should bring us to clearly realize that the world does not follow the way of obedience. The world does not follow the Bible. Are there things, and, and maybe in, in America and how laws were written originally, and they came from the Bible? Yes, but the world does not want to follow the way of the Bible. They don't know who Jesus is, why, so why would they want to follow after him? I mean, that's why it's your job, that's why it's my job to represent Christ and represent him well. It's our job to share the gospel. And so, so people will hear about Jesus. And so people hear with their ears. And so therefore, we need to talk about Jesus. We need to not only act in a way that would point others to Christ, but we need to actually talk about the gospel. I mean, if we truly want to be a church that goes, if we truly want to be a, a follower of Christ that lives on mission, that goes as we would say, grow, serve, and go. If we truly want to be church, a church, if we truly want to be a people that goes, man, we've got to take the Great Commission seriously. But I think what we would look at is that starts here. 
I mean, that starts in the way that we live our life. That word go doesn't just represent us jumping on an airplane and going on a trip. But that word go means to our neighbors that live next door. Maybe to our coworkers, maybe to our own family members who don't know the gospel. Man, it's got to start here in Greenville. It's got to start here in Hunt County. If we're going to live on mission, that doesn't mean that we're going on trips. Can we go on those trips? Yes, we need to go. To the, we need to go to the nations, but we also need to go to our neighbors. I mean, this is a warning from Jesus that we will be persecuted, that we are going to be challenged for the things that we live for, but it's a call for us to live for him as well. The world is blind to Jesus, so how are they going to know if we don't tell them? Man, in verse 22, what we see is Jesus reinforcing the gospel that all sinners, everyone here, is in need of a Savior. And we said that Jesus came, and because of the light that he, he's shown to expose sin, man, we are guilty of sin. The world is guilty of sin. Everyone is guilty of sin except Jesus. And so maybe here's a thought for us this morning. To know God is to know God with one's whole being. So to not know God would be us living in, in, in sin, in disobedience. The world's lack of knowledge is not just because the people did not see or hear Jesus. If that was the case, they would not be charged as guilty because they wouldn't know this message and therefore maybe they wouldn't have sinned. It's because they did not pay attention to the things that he had to say. Paul argued this in Romans, that every pagan had enough knowledge to be condemned for sin. The verdict is absolutely clear. Jesus came, the gospel was presented, the people have been disobedient, the people are guilty of sin, you and I are guilty of sin. Therefore, maybe if we were in court this morning, we would say everyone is guilty of sin. The verdict is clear. We need Jesus, the world needs Jesus. I mean, one of the fun things about working with students is sometimes they have phrases that eventually get on your nerves. And so maybe if you work in a school and, and my wife comes home often and she would say this. She said, if another, there's two phrases that gets on her nerves from kids. The word bet, they walk around and one kid says this and it's like, bet, bet, bet. And it's like a bunch of middle school boys, okay? All right, and the other phrase is this. Something maybe cool happens, maybe you score a touchdown, or maybe you high-five someone in the hallway. But the other phrase is this, is, let's go! So maybe you would say something excited, and they would say, let's go. So, so maybe you're on your basketball practice this weekend, and you made your first three-pointer or something. And so therefore, everybody on the team yells, let's go, whatever that may be. Maybe for me, it's on the golf course and when we make that long putt um, in a scramble. And so... Whatever it may be, but we get excited about those things that we have accomplished. But maybe we should leave here today and maybe we're yelling, let's go. Let's take the gospel to our neighbors. We know we're going to be persecuted for the things that we stand for. We know we're going to be persecuted for when we stand up for the gospel. But would we not be discouraged by that? But would we be encouraged to the gospel? Would we say, let's go. Let's go to our neighbors. Let's go to our friends. Let's go to our school. Let's go to our community and share the gospel. 
Verse 23 sticks out a little bit because to some it may be a harsh reality. It may sting a little bit. But the implication is clear. Because hating Jesus means nothing less than hating the Father is what we would see. The idea is not that if Jesus had not come into the world, that they would have continued in sinlessness. But we know that he had already sinned. This was not the first time that sin was introduced in the Bible. By Jesus coming and speaking to them, Jesus stirred up the most central and maybe controlling of sins. What we see is they rejected God. They, re- re- they rejected this gracious revelation of God. They rebelled against God. And what we would see is they chose darkness over light. And so what we see through the rejection of God's words in verse 22 and his works in verse 24, they've rejected the clearest light, the brightest light of all, which is Jesus. Whether the people recognized it at that time or not, they, they rejected Jesus. It also means that the people of the world, what we would see is they have no excuse for their sins. If if the issue is this, is is the great divide between humans and God, the natural question is this. How does one bridge the gap? The good news, Jesus who came to bring light to the world full of darkness, himself as God's agent is the bridge. Jesus came to save sinners just like you and me. And, And that's the best message that we could ever hear. And that's the message that we are called to take even though we might be persecuted, even though we might lose a friend, even though people might get upset with us. I mean, that's what we should take. And and so maybe you have questions about that today. Man, find someone with a white name tag. It's a big white rectangle name tag. You can find some, uh, somebody with one of those, ask them questions about what the gospel is. So as, as, as John had penned these words, It's almost as he could say, case is closed. Jesus is the only answer. So as we would close, let's think about this. Even Paul refers to the number of times that he was persecuted, often by his own people. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 7 says this. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in dangers from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Man, this is a list of of things Paul endured for standing up for the Bible, for standing up for the gospel, for standing up for things that he believed in. Man, these things may have not happened to us, but Jesus warns there could be a time coming where we would face persecution, that we should be alert, that we would look back and that maybe we're yelling wolf every day. These things may be scary, but let's face it, if we're going to stand for Christ, we've got to know these things could come in our way. I mean, how, could, how can evangelism go forward if us as followers of Christ have feelings of fear 
Or, or maybe we're scared of the world and we retreat. We've got to go forward. We've got to be bold. We've got to stand for Jesus and we've got to stand for his word. Man, if we're honest, these threats that we see from Paul, if, we, if we're honest, maybe the things that we see John talking about are, are rarely ours in America. Man, could we see some of these things in the future? I think so. But as we stand for his word, maybe as we stand against the LGBTQ movement, maybe we, as we stand against abortion, as maybe we stand against other things of Christ, maybe we're hated, maybe we're called bigots, but let us not retreat, but let's stay true to what the Bible teaches us. Man, let's go forward in, in Christ's love. Let's proclaim the gospel, not on our own power, but through the power of the Spirit. Let's point to the Spirit. Let's point to the gospel and say, I'm going to live my life by the Bible. I'm going to live my life by the word. And if it stands to be true in the Bible, then that's what I'm going to stand for. Man, are we going to say, hey, we have a worldview that would point to Jesus? Man, if I, if I think, for example, of the church in China, man, who is often persecuted, whose pastors are often arrested, man, they're facing lots of persecution. But the church there is growing a lot more quickly than it is here. Maybe we need some persecution so people will begin to say, this is what I believe in. And instead of half-heartedly being a follower of Christ, we have people that are sold out and we're ready to stand and take a fight for the gospel and not bunker down when things get hard. Maybe we need a little persecution so we'll actually stand up and take the gospel forward. I mean, God loves his church. He's going to protect his church. Man, things are gonna come and things are gonna happen to us for the things that we stand up for. But God loves his church. Man, let me pray for us this morning. Father, we're thankful for your word. And Father, maybe we aren't leaving here this morning encouraged. Maybe we leave here uh, maybe a little discouraged and, and we look at your text and say, Father, why is this? Man, but we trust and know that you are a good God, that you have all things in control, that you are the one that we can go to, that you hold us in your hands, that you care for us and that you love us and that we would live a life that would reflect that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.